0: Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to have you stand with me if you would. Exodus chapter 3, and we were in Exodus uh, all weekend so far with our young people in Vacation Bible School, and the Lord just impressed upon my heart to maybe bring you something that I hope will be a blessing to you this morning, a help to you uh, in regards to what God, not just what God wants you to do as a believer, but who God wants you to be. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in what God wants me to do, we forget that that it's more important to find out who it is God wants you to be. Because if you figure out who God wants you to be, you'll end up doing what God wants you to do. Uh, But I want you to understand, God has a call for every believer in their life. Now, I think sometimes people get a little bit uh, nervous because they go, "Well, well, I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to be a pastor. That's not the call I'm talking about Uh, I'm talking about a, a call for you to be as a believer, as a child of God, who it is that God wants you to be. Listen, if you're a plumber, be the best Christian plumber that there ever has been. All right. If, if you're an electrician, be the best. Le- if you throw trash and you pick up. trash, There you go. There's an electrician right there. Yeah. If, you're gonna, if you pick up trash, be the best pack, uh, trash picker upper that there ever was. Amen, Brother Elvin. All right. Brother Felix. Right. Uh, listen, regardless of what you do, I'm not saying everyone quits what they're doing and goes into the ministry. That's not the moral of the story. But I know this. If you're saved, God wants you to be something for Him and more than you are right now on your own. And that's God's calling in your life. So let's look at Exodus chapter 3, verse number 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. You say, why? Because it represents a God who is a consuming fire, but he will live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And here in verse 3, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, God said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have sur- surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the per- all the ites, all the ites are there and they got to go, Right? And now, therefore, verse 9, Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression, wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore. God's inviting you today. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Let's go to the Lord. In prayer, and uh, Brother Felix, if you would ask God's blessing. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. I want you to notice something. Look down if you would as, as God is, is delivering this message to Moses. I want you to notice in verse 6, God says, here's who I am. In verse number 7, God says in so many words, I watch what's going on. By the way, uh, just because God is silent for a period of time doesn't mean that God's not paying attention. In verse number six, the Bible says, I have seen the affliction Or verse seven. I've seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. Look at verse eight. I am come down. So, so God says to Moses, here's who I am. I'm watching what's going on. Now I'm showing up. Now I want you to think about this because God is all powerful, right? All right. All right. God is all power. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, you know, let me let me create the earth and the dry land and the seas, and he, he separated them. And, and God did all of that. He spoke the earth and the world into existence. And we know that that's how powerful our God is. And yet, when God shows up, God does not do everything on his own when he talks to Moses. Could God have miraculously picked up the children of Israel, picked them up in a tornado, brought them over here, and dropped them down like, you know, like, like Dorothy over in the Wizard of Oz, and dropped them all down in the land of promise? Could God have done that? He didn't do that. You know what God does? God uses people to accomplish His will on this earth. And God comes to Moses, and He goes, Moses... I want to talk to you. Moses, I want to get your attention. Moses, I want to use you in a great way. And when you think of Moses, you know, most of you are probably thinking of Charlton Heston holding the tablets, you know, big long beard. You know, you got this idea of who Moses is, but I want you to understand this. Moses is not that Moses yet in Exodus chapter 3. You know who Moses is in Exodus chapter 3? Some guy on the backside of the desert that nobody knows about. You know what what Moses would have done with the rest of his life? Moses would have lived an insignificant life that would not have impacted anybody else if it's not for his response and his reaction to the call of God in his life in Exodus chapter 3. And I wonder to myself all the time, how many Christians live a life of insignificant impact in this world? Not because they're doomed to that fate, but because they don't respond to what God is showing them in their life. I don't know about you guys. I want to make a difference. I don't want to live here, eat some food, and then, you know, die, and that's all that my life had to show for it, make some money, you know, experience some things, uh, go travel and see the world. Those are all fun things. But then you kick off, and that's the end of your life. What did you actually do? What impact did you leave? Moses would have left nothing behind had he not responded to God in Exodus 3. Then I wonder how many of God's people, maybe even some this morning, are missing out. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, you don't know who I am. Well, look at Exodus chapter number two. Can I show you who Moses is? <laughs> look at the chapter. See, see, we pick up in chapter three, we go, oh, this is where God shows up and supernaturally calls Moses and here's where all the magic happened. Man, I love this chapter. This is awesome. Yeah, but you don't know what it took to get Moses to this point. And, and what you're reading is chapter three, but let's not forget chapter one and two. In chapter 1, he barely escapes death as a baby. In chapter 1 and 2, you learn about his upbringing as a, a child of Pharaoh's within Pharaoh's home, his house. And in chapter 2, I want you to notice, look if you would, at verse number uh, 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 10. The Bible says it, it, the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she called his name Moses and she said, because I drew him out of the water. It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. So, so who knows how long this is? Maybe it's 20 years, maybe it's 30 years. Uh, In the Bible, there's a precedent for uh, young men not being counted men until they were 20. So I would say at least he's 20 years old. If not, maybe closer to 30. He's a grown man. So you went from baby to 30 like that, from one, one verse to the next. Isn't that how life moves? I mean, I mean, I've mean, i got my kids, you know, graduating from high school, you know, and I, I, there's some friends of ours, uh, Mrs., uh, uh, Miss Virginia uh, recently mentioned a, a missionary that my wife and I knew growing up. It was the missionary that we first went to visit when we were teenagers, Ada Dunn. And this lady is 88 years old and recently reconnected with some of her family members that we knew and sent pictures to them, and, and they responded like, oh, my goodness, your kids are grown. How did this happen? I'll tell you how it happened. It happened in time. And you blink, and the kids are grown, and you blink, and they're married, and you blink, and you got grandkids. I don't even want to think about that right now. <laughs> I, got, I got one of my other kids on the way, and I'm thinking, I could be a grandfather in a couple of years, right? And just like, boom, oh, my goodness. That is how life moves. Listen, you blink, and it's gone. And you know why that matters? Because my, your life is moving so quickly, and, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. But some of you are so consumed with the affairs of this life, you don't realize how quickly life is moving. And the devil will keep you so quick, not even in sin, but so busy that you don't even realize, man, my life is slipping by, and I've got nothing to show in all of eternity for what the years that God gave me on this planet. And I wonder how many Christians live that kind of life. Here in Exodus chapter 2, he's grown. The Bible says he went out and looked on his brethren and looked on their burdens, verse 11. And he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. Now here's the, where the man's conflicted because he's raised by the Egyptians. He's raised with all their education, with all their philosophy, knowing their gods, knowing their customs, how they eat, how they dress. And yet in his heart, he knows I'm not one of them. I don't belong with them. And let me just say this, Christian. You were born in this world, but you're not of this world. And you don't belong. And even at times, you kind of need to step back and go, you know what? I know that I'm here, and I I understand the elements of this world and the traditions of the world and how things operate in the world. But, man, I just feel like I don't belong here. I identify with a different country. Amen? (laughs) I identify with a different people. And that's what Moses did. And the Egyptians were smiting the Hebrews, and Moses saw that. And you know what Moses did? Boy, he prayed for that Egyptian to get right with God. Is that that what he did? Some of you are like, I guess that's what No, let's look at what the Bible says. And and here's what happens. He he sees this Egyptian hitting a Hebrew. Look at verse 12. (laughs) I love verse This is so Bible. It's so indicative of human nature. You know what he did? He looked this way, and he looked that way. (laughs) He did exactly what you do right before you're about to sin. Moses looked both ways. He goes, okay, the coast is clear. Nobody can see. And he kills that Egyptian. And he buries the guy. Let me ask you a question. If God showed up to you on the backside of the desert after you murdered a man and then had to run for your life and leave the country you grew up in, wouldn't you think God got the wrong guy? And I don't know everything that you've done in your life. I don't know everything about your past, but I know this, you have a past. And you might look over your past and go, Well, God, you don't know who you're talking to. As if God is senile and he doesn't remember who you are. (laughs) As if God doesn't know every single sin you've ever committed, and yet he took that if you're saved, and he washed that under the blood of Jesus Christ. God knows the number of hairs on your head. God knows you better than you know you. God is not mistaken this morning when he knocks on your door with a burning bush and says, hey, I want to get your attention. He's not mistaken knows who he's talking to look if you would at the same chapter and i want you to see what happens when moses runs for his life look at verse 16 now let me ask you a question didn't this guy just kill somebody so you would not think of him as a deliverer you would think of him as a murderer all right but but i want you to see that, that it's the same moses in in verse number 16 look what it says here Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses, what are the next two words? And he helped them. You know what Moses had? Moses, I want you to get this this morning. If you're a born-again child of God, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And Moses had this undeniable passion for justice. Like, man, you're not going to get away with this. I saw what you're doing. I'm going to take care of it. And you know what? When that's submitted to God, God can use that in a miraculous way. The same way that Moses' temper and Moses' personality led to killing somebody, that same personality and that same righteous indignation was used to give people life. In one place, he's killing a man. In another place, he's drawing water out for those shepherds. How do you explain that? I'll tell you how to explain that. He's the same guy. Just like you're the same person. And you look over the annals of the, 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 the stories of your life, and you look back over and you go, man, how did I? why would I have ever done that? And then I, I, I see how God used me here. And then I make this huge mistake. You know why? Because we're all conflicted sinners. And there's something inside of us that when we are not submitted to God, we will use the things that God has given us to destroy life instead of bringing life. Moses is is there, I believe, on the backside of the desert thinking to himself, God, do you realize who you're talking to? And the Lord says, yep, I'm talking to the next deliverer of my people. God, do you know that I killed a man, that I buried a man? And God goes, yep, I know all of that. I am not confused. I see potential. Aren't you glad that God sees potential in you where you don't see it for yourself? Listen, let me tell you right now, if it wasn't for God looking down and seeing us in spite of ourselves and saying, I'm still willing to use you, none of us would be used for God's glory. Someone one time asked George Bernard Shaw on the what if game, said, Mr. Shaw, if you could live your life, do it over and be anybody that you could be, any person from history, who would you be? I would choose, replied Shaw, to be the man that George Bernard Shaw could have been, but never was. You see, God sees some things in your life, and you look at your own life, you go, I don't see, I don't see how God can use any of this. And God sees the things that you look at and you go, man, I've made a mess of things here. I've made a mess of things here. Man, I thank God for second and third and fourth and fifth and thousand chances. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? aren't you glad that god continues to deal with you and here's moses and i think this i think in moses's mind when he leaves egypt he's thinking man my life my life any any chance of god using me they told me i was a you know a special kid and i was brought out of a river and i was here for a purpose and i blew everything i don't even know what i'm doing with my life now here i am not only in the desert guys i don't know there, there are certain places the gps can't find you ever experienced that I think if you typed in backside of the desert, that would be one of those places. all right? Because that's exactly where Moses is at. Moses is so far away from everything that he knew growing up. He's trying to escape it all. Have you ever done that as a person? I just want to get away from people. I want to get away from the problems. I want to just start all over. And Moses doesn't realize it's not about starting over. It's about facing who you really are. And God deals with Moses there in that burning bush. And I'm sure there are moments in time where Moses, later on in his life, where he regrets answering the call of God. You say, how do you know that? You know what he does one time? He, get, he says, must we fetch you water out of this rocky rebels? Bam, bam, and water comes out. And he loses the chance to go on the promised land because of that anger. That's the same anger that led him to killing a man. You see, Moses never quits being Moses all the way. You gotta get a hold of that. Because some of you think, if I'm the use of God. I'll be like, Saint Adrian... St. Ignatius, St. John, I shall, you know, and I'll just wake up in the morning in a three-piece suit and I'll, I'll, everything that that, that everyone asks me, I'll I'll answer with scripture and my life will be sanctified and I'll just be a perfect Christian. Listen, you're never going to get to a place in this life where everything you do is right. And God, listen to me, I'm not making light of sin, but God still wants to use you. And I think oftentimes what Christians do as an excuse for moving forward for God is they point to their past and go, you don't know what I've done, you don't know where I've been, and God just can't use me. If God can use a murderer like Moses and God can use a murderer like Saul, God can use you. The question is, are you willing to hear his call? Maybe Moses did regret in certain moments of his life answering that call. But I can tell you this, when he died, he didn't. You see why? Because they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know who shows up with Jesus Christ? Moses and Elijah. You know who shows up in Revelation chapter 11 during the Great Tribulation, still hasn't happened on this earth? Moses and Elijah. Moses is 50% of the, prophet that, uh, the prophets that show up in the tribulation at that time for that particular purpose. What am I getting at? Moses gets to experience things that very few, really two people out of billions that have ever lived, will ever experience in this life. You say, why? Because he answered God's call. And listen, maybe, maybe God's not gonna show up in a literal, I was gonna say burning bush and I, and I almost said jellyfish because they're hanging from all over the, the ceiling. N- maybe God's not gonna show up in a, in a literal, physical burning bush in your life. But I want you to understand this, where Moses was at, this was just everyday life. This was not Moses. Moses did not wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I'm gonna have a supernatural conversation with the creator of the universe and he's gonna show up in the midst of a burning bush and God's gonna talk to me out of that bush. It's gonna be a great day. You know, I think Moses did. He got up just like every other day. And you, just like you got up this morning and thought, well, it's another day for church. Let's go. It's Sunday. Just like any other Sunday. Just like any other day. And here you are. And I don't think it's a, it's a mistake that God has you here. But the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Now, some people take that to mean that God is the one. Listen, I, I believe the reason why few are chosen is because few respond to the call. Well, I'll tell you right now we have uh, some of you that have been to our house, you know, it's uh, a, lot of, a lot of land out there, and there are times where we go out and go, "Preston! Ethan!" You know, And, and Emma's there, she goes, "They must be in some kind of trouble. <laughs> Good big sister, you know. And like you can't find them anywhere, you know, and, and where do boys go? You know, they, they are so far out of range. They may not even do anything wrong, but they're so far out of range. They can't hear, are you listening to me, that I'm calling them. Recently, my daughter goes, I I don't know where the dog is. I don't know where the dog is. I am the dog, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and, she says, I looked here. I said, you look here? I looked there. I "I know. Eden. Eden. Oh, God, she's run over. She's roadkill now, you know. And I said, can I ask you a question? Did you look in the barn? You know where she was? She was in the barn. And she was desperately like pawing at the door to get out. But she couldn't do it on her own. Let me say this. Sometimes we're kind of like that dog. God, I want to get out. Let let me just say this much. When God calls, if you want to move, he'll make a way to get you out. He'll, He'll make a way to get you out and move you beyond where you're at. Can I say this? If you're saved here this morning, it's because you called on him. Listen to me. And now he wants to call on you, and that's how this thing works. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be. All right, you called on him. Now the Lord wants to call. On you, But why would God call on a man that that kills a guy? Why would God call on a man that smites the rock twice? Why would God call on a man that when he comes down off the mountain with the fresh tablets, the original manuscripts in his hand, and he sees what's going on, he goes, ah, bam, breaks everything. Why would God use that guy? Because that same man that had that issue with his anger was the same one that had the intestinal fortitude to stand up and help others who couldn't help themselves. You see, you tend to look at all your mistakes and all your issues and all your flaws and all your problems and all your sins, and God goes, yeah, but as long as you're focusing on that, I can't use you for what I want you to over here. The Bible says He has called us. First Peter says, be your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him, listen to me, who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And He's not done calling you. Look, if you would, at Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1, he's not done calling you. He didn't just call you out of darkness when you got saved. He wants to call you to something else, something greater but let me just say this much about the timing here. God's call is in perfect timing. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number one. I would say this. If Moses were to talk to us today, he would say, man, the timing just did not make sense at the time. Me, I'm sitting on the backside of nowhere. I got no signal, no GPS, no phone. I've got no way to communicate with anybody. I've got, I am so far from civilization. I'm out with a bunch of sheep. The only things I can talk to, just say, bah. Why, why would God show up now? Why would God do this now? My wife recently joked about this, you know, and uh, when we uh, had Ariana, we were, you know, uh, 20 years old and barely had two nickels to rub together. And I was like, Lord, I don't know if we're ready for this, you know. And then when we had, uh, I don't know if we're still ready for it, uh, <laughs> And then, we, then when we had Isabella, man, we were on the road and living as uh, uh, kind of like vagabonds on the road, you know, and going from church to church, raising money to go to the mission field. And then God gives us a child then. And then we're moving to Colorado. and We don't have a church and I don't have a job and I'm supposed to start a church in my house. And I don't have a house and everything's kind of up in the air. And then God goes, bam, here's another child. And we're like, Lord, really? What is it with the timing? And then we turn 40 and then 41. The Lord's like, here's another one. And it's just like, Lord, what is it with the timing? Let me just say this much. God, Listen very carefully. God's timing is perfect. And when God shows up, even if you don't think it's the right time, it's the right time. And you may go, well, God, you don't know what I'm trying to do in my life right now. You know, maybe later when I'm done with school. Maybe later when I have a job. Maybe, let me just say this much. If you do that, you can do that the rest of your life and never do anything that God wants you to do with your life. So many Christians have. God's call is in perfect timing. Listen, I look at Abraham's life with Isaac being born. I think of Zechariah and John the Baptist being born and, and how they were older and later in life. Look at John chapter number 11. And God's timing was perfect in all these things. John chapter 11. You may go, well, God, I'm in the, I'm in the middle of a relationship right now. I just got, I have too much to deal with. and I don't. That's exactly why God's trying to talk to you. Because you think you can get to God. You, you'll get to it later, and you'll, you'll do that later, and you'll respond to God later. But later may never come. Now is the time to respond to what God's showing you for your life. Look at John chapter 11. God's timing and God's call it comes in perfect timing. John chapter 11, you say, what's going on? Well, Jesus gets news that one of his friends is sick. Look at verse 1. A certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not a death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And then it says in verse 5, just in case you missed it, he loved these people but I want you to see something else that happens in verse (laughs) 6. Can I ask you a question? Don't you look at that and say something's wrong? Don't you look at this and go, this is off. You love them? Go. You love them, but you're going to stand still for two days? You You know what Martha says to Jesus when he finally does get there to Bethany? If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You know what, Mary, whenever whenever someone finally tells her, she just sat still in the house. Once they tell her, Jesus is on his way, she gets up and goes to meet him. And she goes, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. In other words, Lord, if you had timed this better, things would have turned out differently for me. But I want you to understand, the end of the story is what you need to focus on, not the details in between. You say, what happens in the end of the story? He says, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus comes out of that grave. And everything that took place, listen to me, was for the glory of God. But when you're going through it, you can't see that. And when God is dealing with you about something in your life, and you feel like, I don't know, Lord, I'm not sure about the timing. I don't think I can do that. I can't live up to that. You need to put all that aside and go, God, if you're talking, and you're showing up in my life, I want to listen. God's calling comes in perfect timing. Can I ask you another question? You remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being in that fire? And the Bible says over in the Book of Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar looks up and he sees not three but four men in that fire, and he says the fourth is like the Son of God. And it's almost like the P.S. God was with them in the fire. Question: Here's my question. Couldn't God have shown up before they were thrown in the fire? (laughs) I I mean, if I'm the three Hebrew boys, I'm like, Lord, you sure have a funny time of showing up. Right? I mean, there they are in that fire, and they could have died. And if God had come sooner, they could have avoided all of that. You look at that. We look at that and go, God, your timing's off. God's timing is perfect. Because what people saw from that moment was that no matter what you go through as one of his children, he will be with you. It is not to say that you will avoid all of life's problems, but in the midst of that fire, he's with you. God's timing is perfect. The timing of God's call is perfect. Many of you old hippies, I'm sorry, experienced folks that were raised in a different generation. You might remember To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season. I'm going to forget one time I was at work and I mentioned how that was from the Bible. They go, What do you mean? I said, That's from the Bible. It's from Ecclesiastes. to, To everything, there's a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And he goes on and on. And he says this in the end of that. He, God, hath made everything beautiful in his time. Not yours. Not mine. His. See, I, I, want, I want to see some of that beauty. All right, get on his schedule. God may be knocking on your door this morning going, I'm showing up in your life. Let's talk. Well, God, can we do this later? Because I kind of have a lot of things going on. No, right now is the perfect time. God's call comes in perfect timing. Go back, if you would, to Exodus chapter 3. Can I say this secondly? God's call is peculiar. God's call is peculiar. You've got to admit, the, the, the circumstances are kind of weird. Here's this guy in the middle of nowhere. God could have showed up in any which way that he wanted to. And let me just say, he does show up in all kinds of ways to different people at different times. And yet the way he chooses to show up to this guy is in a burning bush. That's weird. And he shows up in the middle of nowhere. And there's no witnesses except for the sheep. And they're not talking. And so here's this guy by himself, and he's going to go back to everybody else in Egypt, and he's going to say, guys, God showed up to me. And they're going to say, yeah, sure, God showed up to you. Yeah, were you having some of that good weed out there in the middle of nowhere? No, 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 I'm telling you, God showed up to me. And and who are the witnesses? Well, I got some sheep over here. you know, they're they're not going to say anything. And so Moses would look like a crazy person, which is why Moses goes, God, when I go there, they won't believe me. Who do I say sent me? Remember that whole story? You know why that is? Because God's call is peculiar. You know why? Because you're unique. And God deals with each and every one of you in a unique way. And how God will show up in your life is going to be different than how God shows up in somebody else's life. God's call is peculiar. Look if you would at verse 1. You know what this place is called? It's called the mountain of God. I don't know what makes something the mountain of God except for one thing, God himself is there. Do you realize everywhere you go with God is holy ground? Do you realize that, Christian? Do you realize that that God will show up in a way that you're not expecting, and God will show up in your life in a way that maybe you don't always appreciate in the moment, and maybe it is a little bit out of your timing and out of your schedule, and it is peculiar. And then he comes in a burning bush, and you go, why does God do all this stuff in, in a peculiar fashion? Here's what the word peculiar means. Appropriate, belonging to a person and to him only, Almost every writer has a peculiar style. It means singular or particular, particular or, watch this one, special. You always wanted to be special your whole life. Here it is. You're peculiar. Amen? All right? Now, when we think of that word peculiar, we think of weird. But you know what God calls us? We are to be a peculiar people. You know why? Because our God is peculiar, and He deals with us as such. Uh, Here's what the Bible says about God with Israel. They would be His peculiar treasure. Uh, Exodus 19, Psalm 135, verse 4. The Bible says in the New Testament to you, God's people, that He would purify Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You should not fit in with this world. You are supposed to be special to God. Do you know what, you know, I'll tell you what, you know what makes the relationship of marriage special? The fact that I am hers and nobody else's, and she is mine and nobody else's. I mean, there is the kids, right? There's that. You know, and you know, you moms understand this. You go to the bathroom and the kids are like, mommy, mommy. And at, well, at a certain point you go to your kids, do, 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 does anyone bother you when you're going potty? You know, you know, but, but outside of the children, she's mine and I'm hers. You say, what does that mean? We are peculiar. We are set aside. We are special, one for another. You know this, you're special to God. I to some understand me, it sounds kind of weak and kind of like, you know, kind of like, ooh, fluffy. No, no, you're special to God. God made you unique for a particular purpose, and that's why he shows up the way he does in your life. And ways that you go, man, this is weird. How come nobody else is going through this? Because you're not everybody else. Elijah gets a fire down from heaven. Gideon gets a dew in the fleece. Noah gets, I mean, I, I, I kind of think Noah wins it, man, because he gets, like, the whole world destroyed, right? God's, God's right, and God's on my side. Yeah, how are we going to know? And, like, later they're all gone. Well, I was right. <laughs> I mean, Noah kind of wins that one, you know? Jacob, God shows up to him in the wilderness while he's running for his life. Solomon, the Lord, shows up in a thick cloud in the temple. In Isaiah's situation, he gets to visit the very throne room of God. John, as the old timers would say, John the Revelator, gets caught up to the third heaven like Paul does, and he gets to see things that no one else has ever seen. You say, what are you getting at? Not everybody has the same calling, and not everybody has the same situation. Why? Because you're a unique child of God. And he wants to deal with you as such. I think to myself of that verse, is anything too hard for God? I want you to notice, look if you would at Exodus chapter 3, notice that there's a a situation here that you may not have paid attention to, and I want you to do this. Look if you would at verse number 2, and it says that Moses looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And look at verse 3, Moses said, I will now turn aside. Can I tell you, that's what you should be doing right now is just stopping everything, turning the phone off, turning everything out, and just go, you know what, God? If this is you, I want to hear from you. Lord, I'm going to. Can I, can I point out, look in the passage? God does not call him by name until Moses does this. Did you notice God doesn't go, Moses, Moses, Moses? He doesn't do that until which time Moses stops what he's doing, turns aside, and goes, you know what? This is fascinating. I guess you would think that if you're in the middle of nowhere and there's a bush on fire. First question is, who put the bush on fire? You're looking around, the sheep are like, (laughs) right? (laughs) And you're looking at the bush, you're going, okay, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Why is that there? I am now curious. You know what God can do? He just wants to see you're curious enough to stop what you're doing and put the rest of your life beside. and go, God, I'm willing to listen. And at that time, then the Lord does something that shows that God's call is not just in perfect timing. It's not just peculiar, but God's call is personal. I want you to notice in verse number uh, three, Verse number three, the Bible says, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight Why the bush is not burning. verse four, the Lord saw, notice this, that he turned aside to see. Mm-hmm. Then God called on him out of the midst of the bush. And what did God say? Moses, Moses. Can I say this? God didn't make us robots. He made us as individuals, and you're you're unique, and God wants to deal with you personally. What I want you to do this morning, as we, we're looking at this story this afternoon, I I want you to not think about the. The job tomorrow and the bills that haven't been paid yet. And and, and, and don't think, oh, I pff, my spouse really needs this message. Put all of that aside for a moment and, and, and quit thinking my kids need this and my parents need this. Stop for a moment, and go, okay, God, this is about me and you. And God, you want to deal with me personally? I want to deal with you personally. Do you know why we have an invitation and I'm thankful for the kids that will come? Parents, you ought to come with them so they know that you can lead them and pray with them and help them through their issues. But you know what breaks my heart sometimes? Sometimes the kids are all ready to go and you go, oh, that's only because they saw their friend go down and now they want to go. Maybe that's part of it. Can I say this? Why in the world is it that God can put something on your heart, poke at you personally, and you just sit there and watch somebody else move? You know why? Because you're not dealing with God personally. You want God personal when it's convenient for you. When God needs to fix your wife or fix your husband or fix your kid. God, I personally need your attention. And the Lord was like, you know what? I put a bush on fire in the middle of nowhere and you ignored that. God knows your thoughts. The numbers of hair on your head or the lack thereof. God knows what your gifts are. He knows what your talents are. He knows what your sins are. He knows what your issues are. He knows what your shortcomings are. God knows you better than you know you. And he still wants to call you to something greater than who you are right now. He says, Moses. I don't think it was like this. I don't think it was, Moses! Moses! You know, like the opening of Crazy Train. I don't think it was like that. I think it was Moses. Moses. You see why? He already put the bush on fire. He didn't have to yell. What else do you expect? He says to Martha, 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 thou art careful and cumbered about many things. Remember that? Why does he say... Any parents in here have kids? Raise your hand if you have kids and you've ever called them by their first name and middle name. Right? When you get to that middle name, everyone knows something is wrong. Or they know at least that you really want that child's attention. When you say, Martha, Martha. You know what Jesus is doing? He's looking at Martha going, Martha, Martha. And she looks back and she locks eyes with him and he goes, the problem is not your sister the problem is you he had to get her attention first though he says over there in the garden you've got the story of mary going to seek the body of jesus remember that and and she's talking mary's talking with the, the man that she thinks is the gardener the one the landscaper there in the in the garden outside the tomb and and she goes, man, if you know where he is, would you tell me? And, and they have this conversation back and forth. And finally, Jesus just says, Mary. And immediately she goes, Lord? You see why? There was something about the way he called her name. She knew who it was. And let me just say this. God knows how to say your name in a certain way where you know it's him talking to you. you see why? He's personal. I've had people come up to me and go, he preached that message right at me. And I say, no, I didn't. Maybe the Lord did, though. You know why? Because He cares about you. And He loves you. And He wants to use you. Oh, I wish sometimes you could see what God sees. And the souls you could reach and the people's lives you could change if you just wanted to. He's personal. He knows what's going on. He knows your shortcomings. He knows your issues. He knows where you failed before, and he's still dealing with you personally. I remember when he said, Adrian, Adrian. And you're expecting what? Go to Colorado, go to Bolivia. No? He just said, Adrian, Adrian. You want to get closer to me? Yes, Lord. You got to let that go. You say, why? Because he's watching. See, he watched the oppression in Egypt, but he was also watching Moses, all those years that Moses thought no one cared. All those years that Moses felt like, I'm just dying out here. I, I got nothing. What is God doing with my life? God was allowing you to build some things in your life that would help you. You know what's an amazing thing? God tells Moses in Exodus 3, On this mountain, you and all my people are going to worship me. And if I'm Moses, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? How am I even going to go back to that place where I killed a man? How am I going to do all this? Lord, you're telling me I'm going to come back here with millions of people? How is any of that going to work? Can I just say this much? Don't worry about all the details that you think you've got to figure out to figure out God's call and God's direction for your life. God can take care of some of that. Brother, Brother Craig mentioned it. Listen, God will do what you can't do. God lit the bush on fire because Moses could not put a bush on fire that would not be consumed. If Moses had done it, that bush would have been on fire for about five seconds and then it would have been gone. But what God did was supernatural. You do what you can do and leave everything else in His hands. The Lord came, the book of Samuel, in that Third time, he comes to Samuel. He says, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. See, why does he do that? Why does he call us by name? Just to let us know he knows who we are. He knows what we're all about. You know, sometimes I think we kind of, I'll ask it this way. You ladies ever talk to your husband and feel like he's not listening? Okay, I guess some real deep information for you. You know why that happens? Because he's not. <laughs> Sorry. Remember when you were dating and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, really? Wow, that's so interesting. I never knew that about different shades of makeup. Right? And then you get married, and she's like, Yeah, an asteroid hit the backyard. Uh huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Junior, he was, yeah, he got cut up in the field. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And you're like, there's no, there's no, you say, What happens? Because, because she'll be there. Right? I, I, I can ignore her because she'll still be there. You know what you do with God? He'll still be there. I can ignore him. He's trying to deal with you personally right now. Yeah. Maybe this is not the time that you ignore him. I've been to Walmart. Why are you guys laughing? You guys have been at Walmart too, right? And, and, and you, you hear this kid, ah, I want a sucker! And the mom's just... And I'm like, anybody? can we call the police? Anybody going to do, do anything about that? Because I, I, I can tell you're ignoring that child, but I cannot ignore that child. And you know what happens is after a while, you kind of just tune things out. Some of you, you know what I think has happened? God's tried to deal with you personally, and you've just tuned him out. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Notice, if you would, verse number 5. There's kind of a procession here. It's not automatically God just goes, here's my plan, bam. It wasn't like Moses saw this bush and goes, like, here's everything, bam. You know what God does first? Moses, Moses. He responds. As soon as Moses responds, God goes, okay, Moses, before you come any closer, I got some instruction for you. Look at verse 5. Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Can I say this? God's call is purifying. I'm about to say something that maybe I don't think I'll say it like this. I don't think modern Christianity, all of us included in that same bucket, I don't mean other churches, I mean all of us, don't really appreciate the holiness of God. And the closer you get to God, you I want to know God's will for my, I want to hear God's call. I want to know what God wants me to be. I want to know what God wants me to do. I want to know who God wants me to marry. I want to know what job I should take. You know what God's saying? Before you come any closer, you need to clean some things up. Recognize where you're at. Let me tell you something. I, I've got some friends that were Korean growing up, and there were a couple things I knew about going to their house. It would always smell like kimchi. And number two, if I, if I were to come over, the first thing that we do is take those shoes off. Yeah, I got an amen back there. That's right. It's like, amen, you dirty Americans bringing your dirt everywhere when you walk in the house. What's wrong with you? Let me just say this much. When you approach God, there are some things in your life that maybe should be put aside. There are some habits, some words, some ways of thinking, some ways of living that God goes, you know what, if you want to get closer and you want to know more, let's get some things cleaned up. Let's deal with where you're at. Because Moses, in case you're not paying attention, you're no longer in Egypt where you get a bath every night. You kind of smell. You've been out here for a long time. And I'm going to deal with that, but take your shoes off first. God's call is purifying. Can I ask you a question? Are you the Christian that says, I've come far enough, I'm clean, I'm good? You know, if someone's lost without Jesus Christ and you're here this morning, let me just be clear with you. None of us think that we were good enough to save ourselves. Can I get a witness? Okay, so you know what all of us had to realize? I'm dirty, I'm unclean, God, you have to clean me up. But here's the danger that comes from learning more from this book and and from being around the word of God all the time. You can learn to take it for granted and you can go to a place where you go, you know what? I've come far enough. I'm good enough. And let me just say right now, if that's what Moses, if God said to him, take your shoes off and Moses says, why? Does the Bible say that's not wear (laughs) shoes? That's how a lot of Christians live their life. How come I had to do that? God, you're a legalist, Right? And God, you're making my life hard. God did what he did for a reason. He's trying to show us a pattern. He's trying to show us, look, in regards to drawing closer to me, if you want to draw closer to me, you are going to have to learn to put some things aside. If you don't want to put those things aside, guess what? I don't want to tell you everything I got for you. Because if you can't handle taking your shoes off, you won't be able to handle going to Egypt. Some of you go, what's the big deal? How come you got to take my shoes off? Because God knows if you can't help that small piece of discipline and just obeying that, you're not going to help millions of people leave a place where they're under bondage. Amen. Amen. I think we've forgotten that God is holy. You know what holiness is? It's purity. You know what I love about going to summer camp with some of our young people? I love the fact that there's no foul language there's no inappropriate behavior between the young men and the young women. And if there is, boy, it'll be the last time. Cuz you got eyes everywhere, right? You know. And it's just a pure place. A pure place. Can I say this? That's how your life ought to be. You shouldn't have to leave <laughs> and escape your life to have purity. Do you understand? Your, your home, Christian, should be that way. Your kid should not have to go, I can't wait to go to camp because, man, this is how it is in my home. L- listen, it shouldn't be that way. It, it should be pure. And where you go, a- as you draw closer to God, I'm not talking about, oh, here's the problem. You start mentioning these things and some, someone will be filled with self-righteousness and go, and that's why I don't let my kid watch Disney movies. <laughs> okay, fine, that's your standard. Great, praise God and that works, and that's what God's shown you, then you better do that. But if you walk around telling everybody else that's how they need to get pure, you're wrong. But you as a believer need to figure out what it is God's saying to you about what's impure in your life and go, you know what, God? I want to know you. I'm tired of being a mediocre Christian. I'm tired of playing games. I want to grow closer to you. I want to go further for you. I want to be who you've called me to be. Take your shoes off, son. Then we'll talk. God's call is particular. Look, if you would, at verse 7. God lets you know he's been watching in verse 7. In verse 8, he lets you know he's been moving. In verse 9, he lets you know he's been listening. And in verse 10, can I just say, he's calling you to move from where you're at. He says, come. You know what that tells me? When my wife, sometimes we'll ring, we have a bell on the back porch, and if the kids are out further away, we'll ring that bell, say it's time for lunch or breakfast or whatever, you know. We'll ring that bell kind of like the olden Western days, you know. Come on, get your, you know, chow, you know, and ring that thing. The kids, but you don't have to say anything to boys. You, they don't need words. They just need to know there's food and they're, they're, they're going to come. You ring that bell, and they come. You know why? Because they understand mom's not cooking the meal, and then going out to where God knows where you're at out in that field, To feed you out there. Mom says, if you want the meal, you come. God says, if you want to know, come on. I want you to notice the word that comes after the word come, though. What is that word? (laughs) You ever told your kids, pick up your bed, right? And you come back, the bed's not picked up. Oh, I just thought you meant I could do that later. (laughs) Right? No, I meant, I meant now. So, so let me just include now every time I tell you to do something. Brush your teeth now. Pick up your room now. Take out the trash now. Okay, Dad, I got it. You, know? you, you say, well, why does God use the word now? Because you know what you'll do? Great message. I needed that. I'm going to do that Monday. Some of you keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Noah was told to get in the ark good thing he listened. You wouldn't be here if he hadn't. God says now. You know why? Because God's call is pressing. God does not deal with desperation, but he does deal with urgency. And there are some things, listen to me, that will never be the same in your life if you don't do them when God tells you to do them. I'm not saying God can't use you later on. I'm not saying God couldn't take it and, and still so you. And I'm thankful for second, third, fourth changes. But there are some moments in life. Can, you, can we not agree that this was a very critical moment in Moses' life? And Moses could have walked away and said, great thing that happened, man. God, that was a great three-point message. I really appreciate that. And man, how that fire came up. That was a great illustration. Man, how you wrapped that the whole thing up with the invitation at the end. God, you are the best preacher I've ever met in my life. See you next Sunday. That's a lot of Christians are doing in church today. Just going through the motions. God is saying, come now. He says to the sinner, come now and and let us reason together. Not tomorrow, not next week, not in a year, not when you're older, not when you think you have everything figured out. Come now. He said unto another, follow me. You know what that man said? Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father i got to be honest with you, if someone came to my church and was like, Pastor, I'd like to join the church, but I, I need to do it next week because I'm going to my dad's funeral. I'd be like, okay, brother, we'll see you next week. <laughs> if Sean came to me <laughs> when he was joining our church, uh, hey, Pastor, I really want to join the church this Sunday, but my dad just passed away and i got to be at the funeral. I wouldn't be like, let the dead bury the dead. <laughs> you want to join this church, you join now. <laughs> I wouldn't. But I know someone that did say that. That's how serious he takes your life and the things he's showing you now. Some people have this idea that God's calling means there won't be any problems. God tells Moses in this passage, uh, (laughs) P.S. Look at verse 19. I want you to see this. God is like, hey, we're going to take him out of Egypt, and it's going to be great. And there's, you know, pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, and everybody's going to be like, whoa, look at Israel. They're awesome. I can't, who's that leading? That's Moses, Moses, Moses. All right, but uh, P.S., I just want you to know, verse 19, um, so he's not going to let you go. (laughs) So, so God, you're telling me you want me to go there, but you know he's going to say no. Am I getting that right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. God's calling is not without problems, Christian. Some of you think if I do what God wants me to do, if I go in the direction of, of my life that God wants me to go, if I become who God wants me to be, then all these problems, no, no, not quite the contrary. But the problems, listen to me, maybe for the first time in your life, the problems that you will have will be for a good reason. Amen. Come on. It's not without problems, but can I give you this in closing? It's also not without promise. Look, if you would, at verse number 11. Moses said unto God, who am I? That's the problem. Who am I? You know what you are without God? Nothing. I can do all things through Christ. Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh? Who am I that that I should adopt children? Who am I that I should uh, start a church? Who am I that I should, who am I, Lord, that I should marry this person, Lord? Who am I? You know what you are? You're nothing, and that is the wrong question. The question is not who you are, but who is God? where will he be through all of it? Because I want you to look at verse 12. He said, certainly I will be with thee. I don't know what God wants you to be. I don't know where God wants to take you spiritually in your life. I don't know what God wants to purge out of your life. I don't know how God wants to use you, but I know this much. He's not going to call you and leave you to yourself in it. The best thing about following God's call and listening to that voice this morning is that wherever you go in that call, he goes with you. Any children of the 80s remember my buddy? Anybody raise your... No, hold him up high. Come on now. Don't do this sheepish. No, no. If you're going to be a child of the 80s, you raise it high, right? We lived a good life in the 80s, all right? Remember my buddy? My buddy... My buddy, wherever I go, he goes. Aren't you thankful? Not so much your buddy, but your heavenly father. Wherever you go, in his call, he goes with you. Can I ask you a question? Why aren't you responding to that? Sometimes I'll close with this thought. I'll present the gospel to somebody and I'll say, hey, Okay, here's what the Bible says about you. You're lost without Jesus Christ. There's a payment for sin. That payment ends up in a place called the lake of fire that God does not want you to go to. God does not just want to rescue your soul from hell. He wants to give you an abundant life now. Here's what God, this is God's will, but he's not going to superimpose his will onto you. So let me just ask you this question, and it may sound like a dumb one, and I say this often, but if God made a way out, and you believe all this, yeah, I believe all that, and you believe you're going to hell, yeah, I believe all that, and if I, you died today, where would you go? I think I'd go to the wrong place. I don't want to go. All right, well, if God made a way out, would you want to take it? 95 plus percent say yes, but every once in a while someone goes, I don't know. Yeah. And it re- reminds me of, of when Moses went to Pharaoh, and he goes, hey, I can get rid of this plague. When do you want me to ask God to forgive you and to get rid of the plague? <sighs> um, let me look at my, let me see here. Um, yeah, uh, tomorrow looks good. Can I, can I say this? Tomorrow's too late. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, you need to be saved today. If you're a believer and you know God's dealing with you about something, today Is the day. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray you'd bless this time of invitation. Or before we move on to the rest of the day, the rest of life. God, I pray old and young alike, Lord, would have heard your word and they'd realize you want to use them. There are people that only certain people can reach. There are things in this community that will never be done for Jesus Christ without some of the people in this room saying, yep, I'll go. Yep, I'll yield. Yep, Lord, I hear you. I'll take the shoes off. I'll follow. I'll deal with the problems because I know there's a promise there. You'll be with me. God, would you help strengthen your people to fulfill your call in their lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to say this. It may not be I want you to go to Africa. It may not be I I want you to go start a church. It may simply be, you know what? We've been dealing with the same issue for a long time, and I want you to get closer to me because if you could get this thing taken care of, There's some people whose paths you're going to cross and you'll be ready to help them if you'd listen to me about this. It may simply be that. It isn't always, I want you to leave everything, sell your house and go to China. No, that, that, that may be the call for somebody, but that may not be the call for all. Are you listening, Christian? Are you willing to slow down and turn aside and put out the distractions? when I look over my life and I see that God has used me in any way at all, Lord, thank you. To watch people's lives changed, see people get saved, man, there's nothing like it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Christian, if you're a spectator and you've been watching and you've been observing and maybe now God wants you to participate and, and move and get beyond where you're at, may, maybe this is the time you respond to that call. With every head bowed and every eye closed with folks still praying, if you're saved, would you be willing to raise your hand and say, yep, I associate with the name of Jesus Christ. I am a born again child of God. I know without a shadow of a doubt if I died right now, I'd be in heaven. You raise your hand. By raising your hand, you're going, yep, I'm one of his children. I accepted Jesus Christ at some point in my life. I went from darkness to life to light. I know that I'm born again. Thankful for all the hands that went up. Can I just say this? If you could not put your hand up, would you be willing to deal with this now? If you've never been born again, can I ask you a question? If you're here, and you've never been saved, would you be willing to slip your hand up and go, I- I'd like to be saved. I'd like to know how to have eternal life. I'd like to know how to be a born again child of God. I won't point you out. I won't drag you down here, but I'd like to be able to pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anybody here that by slipping your hand up would say, I, I don't know if I'm saved, but I'd like to be? Christian, we serve a great God. And he has a great call for you. For some Christians, it may be, I need to get baptized. (laughs) For some Christians, it it may be, you know what, Lord? You want me to get a new crowd in my life. And these church people that I don't really know all that well, and honestly, I sometimes feel a little awkward around, that's your call for me right now. I need to get to know them. I need to be with them. I need to make these my friends. These my brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe that's what he's dealing with you. I don't know. But I know this. He's dealing with you about something. Because my God is personal. Mm-hmm. Some through the flood. Some through fire, but all through the blood some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Amen. God's calling. And I pray as a church that we respond the right way. I don't mean to make this exclusively about them, but you young people, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, do not waste your time and do not waste your life trying to fit in where you were never made to fit in. Stand out so you can help deliver some people in these last days. And let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. And listen, this this prayer is a two birds, one stone prayer, right? We're going to pray for God to bless what we just heard and to bless the food that follows. All right, Brother Craig, I I, I envision the foods out there. You you see how God works? He dropped manna from heaven. (laughs) While you were in here, you know, toiling through the word of God, he just dropped it out there for you. So as you head out there, let's do this. Um, Let's let any of our visitors, first-time visitors, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. But if that's you, please, we want you to go to the front of the line, enjoy that, that meal. After that, we will have those who are uh, two categories. Either they are great with child, shall we say, or they are more experienced in life, shall we say. All right? You, can you read between those lines? All right? And uh, have them go uh, after our visitors and then everybody else after that. Parents, if your kid wants five slices of pizza, that's fine as long as they eat them. Okay? Uh, so let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. I hope you got something out of the word of God. We hope to see you here Wednesday night. I forgot to mention this. I'm so sorry. Um, I fly out Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. and I'll be preaching nine times this week at a summer camp in Ohio. I'm asking for your prayers. I'm begging you for your prayers, Uh, not just for safety and all that stuff and not just for protection for my family when I'm all that stuff, but furthermore, that God can move in that camp and God would deal with those young people's lives and that God can do something great through the word of God this week. I'd really appreciate your prayers on that. Uh, Wednesday night, we've got Brother Sean Bowie that will be preaching here Wednesday night, so that will be a real blessing, I'm sure. Looking forward to that, brother. Um, And then uh, we'll be back at it again uh, next Sunday. Be back in town. And then the following Sunday, the 17th, uh, all the teenagers will be gone. It's going to look like the rapture happened and God only took the teenagers. (laughs) All right. And so uh, we'll we'll, we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Love you guys. And I I pray you do realize, God, He wants to use you. And He sees all your flaws and He sees all the mistakes, but He also sees if you just take that stuff that He's given you and you point in the right direction, He can use it in a great way. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask my friend... Brother Steon, if you would dismiss us in order of prayer, sir.